Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat, we're going to talk about using people data for good. Listen as we discuss the responsibilities of companies and employees when it comes to sharing and storing information. My awesome, fantastic, wonderful guest today is Al Adamson, founder and CEO of People Analytics and Future of Work, a San Francisco-based event planner and global network advocating the ethical use of people data. This is something I'm personally very passionate about, and I'm very excited about today's interview. Al is a globally recognized thought leader, advisor, and educator in the areas of people analytics, talent strategy, workforce planning, diversity, equity, and inclusion, employee engagement, and well-being, amongst other areas. He's the founder and CEO of People Analytics and Future Work, as I previously mentioned, and it's a community and conference series, which is uh, a network committed to promoting people data for good around the world with the uh, with the aims of being more responsible and using your data in the right ways. Al, it's my pleasure to welcome you onto the show today, sir. Hey, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. Very excited to talk with you about what uh, I think we both agree is a very important topic. So beyond my reintroduction there, Al, why don't you start by taking a minute or two and telling our listeners a bit more about yourself? First and foremost, when I'm asked to introduce myself, I say that I'm a father. I'm a parent. Uh, that's the most important title I'll ever hold. And in this context, uh, it's relevant. Um, son is 20 years old, daughter 18, and they are in university right now, and they will be entering the workforce in a few years. And how data and analytics are used to find them, to develop them, to actually help advance their careers is going to be um, important. It's going to be critical. It's going to be something that I want them to be aware of. And those who are gathering and analyzing the data, I would hope that they're doing so responsibly. And there's a variety of themes that are affected, everything from well-being to engagement to diversity, equity, inclusion, which I'm sure we'll touch on. So um, beyond that, um, I have uh, had a very blessed career. I worked in the former Soviet Union for five years. I was a uh, I created the capability of people analytics, what we called employee insights at the time at Gap Inc. Uh, here in San Francisco. And I've since been with uh, Inform, which is now part of uh, Success Factors, SAP, as well as Conexa, which was acquired by, B uh, by IBM, gosh, 12 years ago or so, if not more. And so since then, I've been running a community and peer groups and running conferences on the theme of people analytics, workforce planning, and the future of work. And uh, here we are in 2021, and I'm still chopping wood, moving ahead. So very blessed uh, to be doing so. What HR skills do you have to stay relevant? Join the Academy to Innovate HR to learn modern and relevant HR skills, all 100% online and self-paced. Visit AIHR.com to find online training programs on popular topics like HR analytics, HR digital, learning and development, talent acquisition, and organizational development. Visit AIHR.com and get the skills you need to hit your HR career goals. Let's get into it. Let's start, in fact, with, with a concept that you shared in a 2020 LinkedIn post. There you go. Al, I've been doing my homework ahead of this. In it, you, you talk of leaders using the ACT method. Acknowledge, collaborate, and take one step forward. 
to generate conversations that serve as the, the fuel for positive ongoing change. Can you tell our listeners about the value of using ACT? Yeah, well, first off, I want to you know, frame this up a little bit, because when you use data and analytics, you're generating insights. So analytics is a process. Insight is the outcome that invites the question, you know, f- for what purpose? And even before that, who is it for? And so really uh, acknowledging, okay, there are is a group that is going to consume this insight and in turn, hopefully take appropriate action. So I've long thought about, okay, it's beyond just data-driven storytelling. It's beyond just analyzing for analysis sake. It's ultimately about taking appropriate action. So what ACT is all about is just that. It's like, how do we pull the insight that's relevant to the action that we want to take. And now, is it going to validate some previous thinking? Sometimes, yes. Is it going to bust myths sometimes? Absolutely. But really being open-minded, being conscious of who is the right group in the room, what you might do, and being um, open to shifting and potentially even throwing something out the window and then again, taking action and moving forward. So, uh, you know, that's a high level summary, uh, you know, of it, but really it's, it's about beginning with the end in mind. It's not just taking a data or technology centric approach. It's taking a process centric approach rooted in who is actually going to be consuming the insight at the end of the day. Wonderful. Thank you. I want to now get into the main focus of uh, today's interview and it's around it's around the use of people data and how we can and how maybe we should be using it talk to me a bit about what you mean by the ethical use of people data analytics and artificial intelligence for the benefit of individuals teams groups organizations and a and society at large and that's a direct quote from the big yep. man owl himself <laughs> well that's how i define uh people data for good and it's something that i have long thought about it's like well, what are we doing here um when i started uh in the early 2000s and focusing in this actual discipline which at the time we were calling it human capital analytics and believe me i wasn't making any friends with that naming convention and we evolved to workforce analytics and talent analytics hr wh- whatever it is google put a stake in the ground in the mid 2000s and people analytics emerged as the kind of governing naming convention if you will so i though have an economics background i I'm a researcher. I'm, I want to answer questions with data. And so I just, you know, being a little cheeky, I was just a hack. You know, I just give me some data and I'm going to go find it. I'm going to create it and I'm going to analyze and I'm going to like have a really strong relationship here. And this is going to be awesome. And I get high fived all over the place. That is not a proper approach. <laughs> and at the time, though, I was just doing my job. So Fast forward, having learned about the potential adverse consequences of doing analysis and not taking appropriate action, particularly in the diversity area, there's massive risk there, but there's also massive opportunity. So can and should we be looking at certain uh, data on the theme of diversity, equity, inclusion? Absolutely. Should we be prepared to take action? Absolutely. If we go look at something and we don't like what we see and we don't take appropriate action, that by definition is unethical. So organizations have to be prepared to take appropriate action. And 
ultimately now, it's not only a legal concern, not only is it about GDPR, it's about the willingness of leadership teams to learn and in turn really understand the options before them and understand who's going to benefit, who might be uh, adversely affected by a certain decision. But again, the readiness of leadership to take action needs to be there. That's absolutely essential. So that's the reason I would love organizations to think about having an ethics charter or some guiding principles on how not only data is going to be managed, but the analytics, the algorithms, the analyses that are going to be done. You know, that audit, that understanding needs to not only be documented, in many cases, it needs to be made transparent. So the people generating the data, namely the workers, understand how the data is being used. Al, there's plenty of tech out there attempting to, for want of a better term, spy on employees, such as accessing their social media accounts and reporting back behaviors that maybe are incongruous with an employer's brand. Do you think that companies have a right to intrude, I'm, I'm using strong words here, intrude on an employee's social media accounts if it means that they can potentially identify employees with extremist views and, and other outlooks not in keeping with the company's mission and values? So the answer to your question directly, in my view, is yes. Um, their organizations do have the right. And this is why. Number one, <clears throat> the information that an individual employee puts out is in the public domain. Oftentimes, it is not uh, attempted to be hidden. It not, it's not under an alias. It is, uh, it's well-known. And I'll give you just a, a clear example. I mean, my Twitter handle is Al Adamson. My LinkedIn is Al Adamson. My website is aladamson.com, at least one of them. So it's like I'm not um, being shy about you know who I am and I'm trying to hide. So if I do something that is improper or, you know, can my employer look at that and use that as an assessment of risk on how I'm affecting the culture and the safety of those within it? I, I believe they not only have a right, I think they have a responsibility to do that. Now, this is a big topic and I will um, be concise as possible, but I will say is privacy is largely a 20th century construct. Obviously, it's carrying over to the current times, um, but now with proliferation of data and information, um, it is, you know, privacy is a bit uh, different and it's evolving. And we have to understand that we're going to have to learn and adjust with the times, with the proliferation of data and, and information. That's the reason we need these forums, both within organizations and at governmental levels, uh, to really understand what we're doing and what we're not doing. In other words, the pace of innovation is far outpacing the governance and rules around and laws are, around how data and information are, are being uh, utilized. So at this current point in time in 2021, it, do organizations have the right to do this in my view absolutely yes um, and again i will emphasize that they have the responsibility when it comes to um, aspects of safety uh, where there are certain population um, certain segments of the population of the workforce that might be threatened adversely affected because it is the responsibility of leadership to keep people safe not only physically but psychologically and emotionally so yeah my vote is yes what about re the remote monitoring of 
employee behavior out where do, where do you stand on on the technology that allows companies to monitor employee work behaviors used on the premises on the premise that it's to ensure people are not you know slacking off surely the the last 18 months has proven that productivity is more important than than hours served well, I, I love the question, and I know listeners can't see me, but I got a big smile on that. I wrote an article a few years ago, um, I think 2018 it came out, People Analytics 3.0, where I talk about People Analytics 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. And 3.0 is really about um, capturing behavioral data, organizational network analysis being probably the easiest example for listeners to understand that's effectively, among other things. I mean, you have passive and active, uh, but effectively looking at behavioral, how many emails are you sending a day? How many meetings are you having a day? How long are you in those uh, meetings and, and, and so forth? And that's just an example. There's a whole host of data that we are now able to collect. Now it invites the question, should we be collecting it and for what purpose? So you uh, mentioned quickly that, oh, to make sure people are not sloughing off. That could be one you know, purpose. Um, I wouldn't lead with that, um, nor would I actually probably ever go to that notion. What I would want to do is ask the question, how are people behaving relative to the work that they have? In other words, are they overstretched? Do they have enough capacity and resources to do what's, do what's <clears throat> asked of them? Um, behind me here is a book by Jeffrey Pfeffer out of Stanford, Dying for a Paycheck. Um, here in the States, uh, it's common knowledge that you know, people are arguably overworked. You know, it's 50, 60, 70 hours a week and their relationships are compromised, their health is compromised. And, you know, I, for one, want to see that change. So one of the great promises of people analytics is better understanding the human experience. And that is rooted in part in understanding behavioral data. How are people using their time? Is it too much email? Is it too many meetings? Is it too much work and they just don't have the time to get it done? Data and analytics can shed light into that reality and leaders can in turn take that information, either hire more, <clears throat> uh, automate certain processes. There's any number of virtuous outcomes that can be achieved. Now, can there be adverse uh, decisions made? Absolutely. Can people be inadvertently singled out and, and penalized? Uh, yeah. But those are rules that need to be put in place and there needs to be governance around the adherence to proper rules. So it's not a straight line, oh, that's bad or not you know, bad or, or even good. It has to be discussed. It has to um, appreciate the nuances. And again, there has to be noble intent at the end of the day, not only for the benefit of the organization, but for the benefit of the individuals within it. I got a LinkedIn message from Jeffrey Pfeffer just this morning. Um, I'd reached out to him saying, Jeffrey, you are pretty awesome. You should be on my show. He says, okay, Bill, I'll do that. But not until next year when I've got my new book coming out. So watch this space. <laughs> he'll, he'll be on the show at some point. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, he'll, he'll be a fabulous guest. So good for you. Um, I, I think I can kind of anticipate your answer to, to the next question based on what you said so far, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And it's in the context of, at the moment, there's a there's a tsunami, if you like, of, of job hopping happening. Yep. And it's going to get bigger and bigger throughout the rest of 2021 and probably the first quarter of 2022, at least. If a candidate tries to 
game the system out by by mis- misrepresenting themselves in in the recruitment phase and the hiring phase should they could they deserve to be punished if they get found out to not really hold the same values as their employer i.e could they be fired or at the end of the day is it really about the skills that they've got to offer so there is flat out lying which there can and should be consequences for there are nuances around the representation of skills and um, behaviors and, and things like that. Um, and then there's actually underselling yourself. So, you know, that's not the nature of your, um, of your uh, question. I will, I will say this is that we um, have the opportunity to, as individuals, be truly authentic right now uh, in terms of what we want, uh, both in terms of the jo- type of job that we want, but also how much time we're willing to work and, and a bunch of other things. So if you are inauthentic, in, given the, the supply-demand relationship in most job families right now, then you're doing so at your own detriment. Yeah. So I would strongly advocate that individuals don't lie or misrepresent themselves. And I would think that employers are going to do their best through the interview process to, you know, shift out, you know, what is true and and what's not true. So yes, there will be consequences downstream at the end of the day, if it's really agrarian. (laughs) There we go. Be, Be authentic, be true to yourselves. Listeners, if you're applying for new jobs, we're already coming towards the end of this interview, Al, which makes me very sad because you're a very nice and clever man. But before we wrap up, two more questions for you. What, what happens to employee data when they leave a company? Can, can employers hold on to it? For example, can they hold on to their web browsing behavior on, on company-owned devices, or should that information be deleted upon the termination of the employee's contract? Uh, that, re- that question requires a nuanced answer. So can the data be uh, saved and used that is anonymized? Yes. Um, can it uh, be associated with an individual ongoing even after they've left the organization? No. Now, again, there's a bunch of nuances which require a whole time period to to go through. But the essence, you know, citing GDPR, which is the basic human right to be forgotten, uh, yeah, that that needs to be disassociated with the individual. Now, their historical data based on the history and that job family, can organizations learn from it and then make improvements? You know, yes, you know, their survey data, you know, over the course of their tenure at an organization be saved um, and included in that data set? Yes. You know, is it going to be anonymized and uh, for historical purposes? It, It has to be. So, that answer might not be as straightforward as some of your listeners would want, but uh, the essence is that, yes, it has to be disassociated with that individual. And Al, I'd like you to finish off now by sharing all of your information or your, your contact details. In fact, <laughs> you were fairly open about this, in the, I think, in your first answer, so I'm sure you'd be fine with it. But, you know, s- spread them all out here now. Tell our listeners how they can connect with you, maybe email, LinkedIn, maybe you're really cool and you're on TikTok. I'm certainly not that cool. Um, (laughs) And and, and how can they learn more about all the cool things that you get up to? Well, the the best way is on LinkedIn or you can go to pafal.net. I also have my own personal um, uh, website at aladamson.com. But yeah, if I'm hard to find then I'm not doing my job well. So yeah, no, it's it's a joy to be doing this. Um, and I really appreciate the nature of your questions and what you do, Bill. It's, um, 
you know, we need more dialogue on this topic. Uh, I've been criticized over the years. Gosh, it's so complex. It's all this. Hey, you know, it, it is uh, complex, but we need to embrace the complexity because there's a lot of great things that can be done. There's a host of risks that we need to be aware of and, uh, you know, respond appropriately. So yeah, I, I try and be as active as, as I can, you know, on social media and, uh, yeah, follow me and I'll gladly you know, serve you in any way I can. You're right. We need to, we need to talk about this because if we don't talk about this, there will be some clandestine folk out there that will take advantage of us. Right. So um, absolutely. And history has proven that to be true. So we need to be forthright. We need to be proactive. Absolutely right. Therefore, Al, I just need to invite you back on to the show very, very soon, sir, so that we can continue this conversation, if you're open to that. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Okay, perfect. Well, that just leads me to say for today, Al, thank you so much for being a guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Uh, Thank you, Bill. Really appreciate you. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 